haven't yet managed to grab one. That sounds promising. Now's the time to do that. Now, Ryan was talking about judgment. I'm going to declare an amnesty right now. There's not going to be any judgment. If you've missed the very subtle calls to go and grab one, please do so now. No one's going to be looking, but you're going to find it very helpful, I promise you, as you engage with God's word this morning. And if you don't want to do it, if you're pushing back, can I encourage you, do it as an expression of meekness for me, if nothing else. And to that end, I just want to say, one of the reasons why we encourage you to have your Bible open and a pen and the sermon handout in front of you each week is that it will help you to engage with God's Word. It'll help you to stay alert, to note down those key points from God's Word that strike your heart. Perhaps there'll be particular points of, of application, takeaway points that you want to put into practice during the week. It gives you the opportunity to, to note those down as well. And so I want to encourage you this morning. If you don't normally take sermon notes, give it a try today. What have you got to lose? You've, you've got all the materials, you've got a pen, you've got a bit of paper. And I promise you, I promise you, you'll come away having better engaged, having stayed more focused, and with the key points of God's word in your heart and your mind as you leave. Now, I'm going to pray that God's word will do that work in our midst today. So will you join with me as we pray together? Lord God, you tell us in your word that it is living and active, that it is sharper than a two-edged sword, that it can pierce our hearts, that it can reveal the truth about us. And Lord, we pray that your living and active word might do that work in our midst and in our lives today. Lord, we confess right at the start of the sermon that meekness and humility does not come naturally to any of us. Lord, we confess that we are far too often pushing our own agenda, seeking power and influence for our own sake. Lord, reveal that to us today. Humble us, we pray. And we pray that you might shine before us the example of Jesus, the embodiment of meekness, that we might reflect him and glorify you in this world. And we pray this in his name and for his sake. Amen. from the House of Commons. The entire world is listening. We shall not flag or fail. We shall go on to the end. fight in France, we shall fight on the seas and oceans, we shall fight with growing confidence and brave strength in the air, we shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be, we shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight on the landing grounds, we shall fight in the fields and in the streets, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender!
few speeches have stirred the heart, like that one from Winston Churchill, rousing the British people, inspiring his troops to summon every ounce of strength for the battle ahead, recognising that the effort to come might cost them their lives, but never once doubting that victory would come. Perhaps there were some expecting similar as they sat on that mountainside in Capernaum as Jesus delivered his first great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Perhaps they were expecting Jesus to issue a stirring call to arms to overthrow the oppression of Rome, that Israel might reclaim their own sovereignty, that Jesus might usher in a new political kingdom that centred around him as the all-conquering Messiah. Perhaps some were expecting a call to arms, just like from Churchill. But Jesus offers something much different, doesn't he? Not a call to arms. No, a call to death to oneself. Not a call to overthrow the oppressors, but to meekness, mercy, grace. Not not freedom from oppression, no, but instead the certainty of persecution in his name. This wasn't the call to arms that people expected. As we've looked at the first two Beatitudes over the last few weeks, we've begun to see what it looks like to live the God-endorsed life, what God has called us to be in Jesus, to recognise our our spiritual bankruptcy, our, our need of God's grace, to mourn over our sin. But I trust that you've also seen the the unexpected nature of Jesus' kingdom. That it's not concerned with ruling over a geographic region, but over people's hearts. Not concerned with power or influence, but instead, no, holiness and Christ-like character. And that's never more evident than in the third beatitude that we're going to be looking at together today. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. These are wonderfully backwards statement. Because in Jesus' day, just like our own, the exact opposite seems true, doesn't it? In fact, it always has. When we look back to the earliest centuries of our existence, we see the, the builders of the Tower of Babel declare, Come, they say, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Why? So that we may make a name for ourselves. That's always been the goal of fallen humanity, to achieve, to make a name for ourselves. And it's no different today, is it? Our world tells us, blessed are the strong, the movers and shakers, those who push hard to win, 
They're the ones who receive the promotions and the pay rises and the power. Use whatever influence you have for your own benefit. It's dog eat dog. Meekness is just a recipe for being trampled on. But as we're going to see this morning, the call is to be very different as a citizen of Jesus' kingdom. His kingdom defines greatness very differently. And so what we're going to do today is to workshop together. Firstly, what meekness is. And then secondly, what it looks like. How, with the help of the Holy Spirit, for that's our only chance, how we can be meek people. But we need to start with a definition, don't we? I came across a a great quote from a basketball coach this week that reflects a common misunderstanding. He says, the meek may inherit the earth, but they rarely get rebounds. I like that. That's that's part of the, the challenge that we have with meekness. Because meek is a word that has radically changed its meaning over the last 200 years. That's why I suspect we we don't often see the word meek in our Bibles. Translators often seem to to try to find a different word, to try to avoid misunderstanding. Because these days, if you look at most dictionaries in our world, meekness is seen as being weak, fearful, a bit of a doormat. You know, the kind of person that gets blown over by the wind on a windy day. A meek person is seen as someone who gives in when things get tough, who lacks conviction, who who gets pushed around easily. In fact, even the the most positive uses of the word, to describe someone who's perhaps a little softly spoken or submissive, they're still not really positive attributes, are they? But none of those things that I've just described are what meek meant in the first century. And they're not what Jesus is talking about here. And so I just want to name it. One of the things we're going to have to do today is to do a bit of a mental reset. When we hear the word meek or meekness, we're going to need to get out of our minds the the common prevailing definition we might have had before coming in today. And instead allow our, our definition to be shaped by God's word. And I think the best place for us to start is to look at how the word was used in the first century. The the underlying Greek word means gentle or controlled strength. Gentle or controlled strength. One of the ways the the word was used in the first century was to describe a, a strong horse or an ox that had been trained, that had been broken in so that its strength could be controlled. I think that's a good image of what meekness looks like. A meek person is someone who who has great power, who has great confidence, but yet is full of humility and gentleness. It's, It's a kind of a paradox, a measured strength under control. It's when we allow our temperament to come under the lordship of Jesus. It's important that we understand that meekness is not 
the same as weakness. Jesus was the embodiment of meekness. Do you remember what he said in Matthew 11? I am gentle and humble in heart. Jesus was perfectly meek, but yet he was far from weak. He confronts the religious leaders in the gospel. Do you remember that? He calls them whitewashed tombs. He calls them blind guides. He cleared the temple with a whip. He spoke truth to authority. He was far from weak, but yet was still perfectly meek. How can that be? Well, it's that meekness isn't the absence of being assertive, but it's the absence of self-assertion. Meekness isn't the absence of assertion, but self-assertion. It's using our words and our energy for the benefit or protection of others, not looking after our own interests. William Barclay, the commentator, puts it brilliantly. He says, the meek person is one who gets angry at the right time, such as injury to others, but does not grow angry at the wrong time. Insult to self. I like that. Okay, if that's our definition of meekness, measured strength, let's get practical now. What does it actually mean to be meek day by day? Back in 2012, the psychologist Amy Cuddy went viral with a TED Talk that is the third most watched TED Talk ever. It's been watched more than 61 million times. She conducted a study about what our body language communicates and the impact that it has not just on others, but also on ourselves. She found that when you sit in certain positions, what she calls non-verbal expressions of power and dominance, things like stretching out and taking a lot of space, leaning back in your chair, perhaps putting your feet up on the desk or standing with legs apart and hands on hips, you know, the Wonder Woman pose like that. That when people had that kind of posture, they felt more powerful than they did before. And in fact, it's interesting, their, their testosterone levels actually went up and their cortisol levels, which are associated with stress, went down, showing us the posture that you need to be more powerful and to be more assertive in this world. What you need to do to, to get that job, to confront that bully, to win that game. Okay, now if stretching out wide, you're going to think about the way you're sitting now, aren't you? If sitting out wide, if doing that Wonder Woman pose is, is what it looks like to be powerful, what does it look like to be meek, to have power under control? Now, before we get practical and look at meekness in practice, just need to highlight one thing, which is true of all of the Beatitudes, but particularly important as we seek to put some of these things into practice this week. It's that meekness flows out of the heart. Meekness is 
a fruit of the Spirit that develops as we grow in Christ-likeness. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit that Paul lists in Galatians 5. The NIV translates it as gentleness, but it's the same underlying word as meekness there. Now, that's going to be really important for us to remember as we seek to put this into practice this week. Because, friends, you can't become more meek by your own strength. It only develops in and flows out of a heart that is being transformed by and sanctified by Christ. Christ is the one who conforms us into his likeness in every way, and that includes meekness. And so as we seek to put this into practice, it needs to be with a heart that is submissive to the Lord Jesus Christ, that recognizes that in our own strength we can't do it, but that we can do it in his. Okay, with that said, let's take a look at what meekness looks like. And what we're going to do is look at some principles, and then we're going to unpack them with some examples from the Scriptures. This is the first one, and I want you to write this down. This is point one on your handout. The meek own their sin. The meek own their sin. Meekness flows out of the first two Beatitudes. Because those who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy, who genuinely mourn their sin, will be meek. The meek person isn't worrying about justifying themselves. When they do the wrong thing, they say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Take a look at King David when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan over his sin with Bathsheba. He didn't defend himself. He didn't try to shift the blame, did he? No, he owned his sin and confessed. That's what the meek do. Recognize their sin. Recognize that, in fact, truth be known, we're a far greater sinner than anyone even knows. And so a practical application for all of us this week. This is our first bit of homework. This is what I want you to write down as well. This week, when you sin against someone else, whether they know it or whether they're not aware of it at all, approach them and confess your sin. That's what the meek person does. They own and confess their sin, both to God and to others. A second characteristic of meekness. The meek suffer injustice without complaint. The meek suffer injustice without complaint. I like how an old saint put it. Meekness is like wet kindling. It doesn't easily catch fire. Meekness is like wet kindling. Wet kindling wasn't easy to say second time around. It doesn't easily catch fire. The meek person forgives and forgets. They don't have vendettas. They don't carry grudges. 
This is what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 from verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The word gentleness there has the same root as the word meekness. And so do you see how Paul says meekness plays out in our relationship with each other? Now, I just want to name the fact he doesn't say there's not going to be conflict. He doesn't say that within the church you're always going to get on perfectly and it's going to be happy times all the time. He says, no, when there is a conflict, don't hold a grievance. Let go in humility. Not saying, how dare you do that to me? You see how that's the opposite of meekness? That's holding on to one's rights? No, meekness forgives and forgets just as we have been forgiven by God. The meek is willing to be treated unfairly. One of the greatest examples of meekness I think we find in the scriptures is, is that of Moses. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, we're told Moses was a very humble man, very meek man, more meek than anyone else on the face of the earth. There's an irony in that, because who wrote the book of Numbers? Who wrote the book of Numbers? Moses! And so normally, you know, as soon as you say you're humble, well, you've just proven you're not. Well, this is inspired by God, isn't it? So clearly he was the most meek man on earth. And I think we see evidence of that in this very chapter. Because in Numbers chapter 12, Moses is publicly attacked by Miriam and Aaron. And what does he do? He commits his cause to God. He doesn't defend himself. In fact, he doesn't say a word. He refrains from anger. He doesn't seek revenge. Now he waits patiently for God. And even when Miriam suffers the just consequences for her sin, Moses doesn't say, oh, I told you so, or let her suffer. No, he prays for her forgiveness. He prays for her healing. That's meekness. It absorbs injustice without complaint or malice or revenge, finding peace in even the most severe conflict. So friends, that's our challenge this week. This is for you to write down as well. This is our challenge for the week. That when someone verbally attacks or criticizes you, not to defend yourself. Not to hold a grudge in your heart. To not fight back. But to pray. To pray for that person. To pray for yourself and to entrust your cause to the God of justice. A third characteristic of meekness. The meek set aside their own rights or interests for the benefit of others. The meek set aside their, their own rights 
they set aside their own interests for the benefit of others. Do you remember back in Genesis 13 how Abraham let Lot choose the best of the country for his flocks and for his herds? That's meekness. But as great an example as that is, the ultimate example of meekness is Jesus himself. This is what we read in Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5. In your relationships with one another. Sometimes we skip over that first bit, but I just want to name it this morning. In our relationships with each other, we're to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What does that look like? Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. No, rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus didn't demand his right to glory. No. He willingly descended to the grime and the muck of this earth for the benefit of others. That's meekness. Can I give you another example that's been troubling me recently, and I pray that it might have been troubling you as well. It's the total absence of meekness in the way that COVID vaccines are allocated. Have you noticed that? That here in countries like Australia that, praise God, have been spared mass infection and loss of life, we're getting vaccinated ahead of other countries that have much greater need. And the reason's simple, isn't it? We have wealth and influence, and other countries don't. Despite being ravaged by infections, we put our interests first. Meekness, though, says India, Brazil, Nepal, have our vaccines. Putting the interests of others ahead of ourselves. The meek, my friends, see themselves as servants of God and of others, not themselves. And so that's our call this week. Here's an application point. Not to... Deny yourself a COVID vaccine if you're up on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's in whatever situation you find yourself in. Exercise meekness by setting aside your own rights, your own interests for the benefit of another. It might be as simple as, say, being in the, the cash register line at Coles and there's someone behind you who has a full trolley of items, but he's clearly exhausted or struggling with a young child, letting them come through and blessing them. Might be paying for a meal for someone, blessing them in that way. It might be that at work you win the you win the employee of the month and you're given a hundred dollar gift voucher. And what you do is give that gift voucher to someone else to bless them. Meekness can express itself in many ways but that's our challenge to set aside our rights what is rightfully ours 
for the benefit of another. A fourth key characteristic, the meek are teachable. The meek are teachable. This is what we read in James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly or meekly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Proud people think they already know it all and refuse to submit to the authority of God's word. They fume inwardly, if not outwardly, when someone tries to teach them, when someone tries to correct a false belief. Just like the unbroken animal that we were thinking about earlier, bucking and kicking and resisting the bridle. But when broken in, they listen to their master's command and become useful. That's what the meek are like. They don't become angry or defensive or kick out when shown their error from Scripture. No, they let the word do its work in their heart. They don't push it away. The meek recognize they need help. They need vulnerability. They need accountability. And so this week, when a brother or sister shares with or challenges you, don't buck or resist or kick, but listen. Pray about it. Search the scriptures to see what they're saying is true. And if it is, submit to God's word. If you're anything like me, I've had an awful week, friends. Our house church group will testify. I was sharing this on Tuesday night. This has been an awful sermon to prepare. It has been appalling because God has been revealing to me every single day the absolute absence of meekness in my own life. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're actually kicking against this message too. You go, no, I'm okay. I don't need to listen to this. Andrew's taking things out of context. He's carrying on. I didn't like that he made me write things down. If that's you, please, please, don't buck and kick and resist. But listen, pray, search the scriptures. If I am taking things out of context, please let me know. I need to repent next week before you. But if what I'm saying is true, don't kick. Submit to God's word. That is the kind of meekness Jesus has in view. Let's bring this together with the promise that Jesus makes. The meek will inherit the earth. You might be wondering why it's only in the last five minutes that we're actually looking at the Bible reading that Keith did earlier. But that psalm, Psalm 37, particularly verse 11, that's the psalm that Jesus has in the back of his mind in this beatitude this morning. This psalm contrasts the ruthless ambition of evildoers who want to succeed at all costs with the meek. And it's here we find one final characteristic of the meek. This is number five on the sermon handout. I hope you're still following along. The meek entrust themselves to the Lord. That's point five. The meek 
entrust themselves to the Lord. I'm going to read from Psalm 37 again, from verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrong. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. That's what the meek do. They commit their way to the Lord, never claiming to be self-sufficient. No, they recognize their need, trusting in God and his purposes and his timing and his ultimate vindication. This is how John Piper put it. Speaking about the meek person, he says, being meek doesn't mean they become lazy. No, it means they're free of frenzy. They have a kind of steady calm that comes from knowing that God is omnipotent. That means all-powerful. That he has their affairs under his control and that he is gracious and will work things out for the best. I love this last line. Meek people have a quiet steadiness about their lives in the midst of upheaval. Notice what the psalmist says there in Psalm 37, verses 10 and 11. He acknowledges that the wicked, they will gain temporary pleasure, but it is merely temporary pleasure. Whilst the meek, they will inherit what lasts. They will inherit the land. But how is that true? It certainly doesn't feel like it's true in our world today, does it? Well, I think the meek will inherit the land in two key ways. One in the short term, which is the smaller one, and then there's the big picture long term in view. Let's take a look at the short term. The meek inherit the land, inherit this earth, in that they're genuinely content. They're genuinely content. Without the the inflated ego that's always desiring more, that's always desiring more power and more influence and more property and more possessions. They're content with what they have. They're happy with the land and with their portion. They're not always seeking more. They're content to leave it in God's hands. That's the short term. But the big picture here is the long term. Because Jesus has much more than contentment this side of eternity in view. One day, he promises, those of us who have faith in him will enter into the fullness of our inheritance when this beatitude will be fulfilled literally. Not the, the promised land, which was in view in the short term here in Psalm 37. No, this is the new inheritance, the new heavens and the new earth, the redeemed universe where we will be with the Lord Jesus for all eternity. That is the inheritance that awaits those who have faith in Christ.
that day, that day that is coming, when whatever might seem like a loss now, particularly when we compare ourselves to the ambitious and the forceful, when what will seem like a loss now will pale into insignificance in light of the glory and splendor and blessing to come. My brothers and sisters, 500 billion years into eternity, we will still be praising God that this beatitude is true. It's my prayer that we, with that promise before us and the Holy Spirit within, that we might live lives of meekness to the glory of our God. Will you join with me in praying that he might be transforming us to that end? It's a big, bold prayer, isn't it? But let's pray that now. Our Lord, we, I think I can speak on behalf of many, if not all of us this morning, Lord, that we feel entirely humbled and rebuked by these truths from your word. Lord, we confess that we are far often from meek people, that far too often we allow self-interest and ambition and desire and accumulation, our comfort and our wealth, to drive our hearts rather than the vision that you lay before us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. For he is the embodiment of meekness, descending from the glory of heaven to the mark of this earth to save us. Lord, with such a saviour, now living inside of us, we pray this big, bold prayer that you might help us to be like him. Eliminate our pride, we pray. Enable us, day by day, to clothe ourselves in humility. May we manifest patience and grace in all of our interactions day by day as we follow in the footsteps of our meek Saviour. We pray that you might make us meek too as his disciples. And we pray this, that he might be glorified and that the transforming work of the gospel might be known in our lives and in our world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As our music team begins to come forward for our final song this morning, we have a song, a prayer that I don't know how familiar you are with, but the words are beautiful. I don't know about you, but after a, a message like that, I need a prayer of recommitment to orientate my heart. And this is what this prayer is, this song is. We're going to sing, Father, we come to you now. Trusting again in your power. Humble and heal us this hour in Jesus' name. Help us repent of our ways, our failures in seeking your face. Open our hearts to your grace. This is our prayer. May that be all of our prayer as we stand and close in song.